eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dollcast. I am Jordan Hill. With me, as always, is Kip Adams, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon, at week two for the Georgia Bulldogs. Got a lot to talk about as Georgia gets ready to play Sanford. Uh, first off, Kip, how is this Thursday treating you as we get ready for what's going to be the first home game for Georgia this season? Yeah, it's it's the calm before the actual storm. I'm watching those weather reports and, and waiting to see uh, – you know when this rain comes rolling in here in Atlanta, and it seems like it's 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 going to hit here pretty close, and we'll be coming to Athens as well over over the next uh, couple of days. But right now, everything's good, ready to roll, and uh, feeling pretty good. Let, let's talk some football. Absolutely, and yeah, I've got some family that's going to be coming to the game Saturday. I've told them and made sure they bring ponchos because it may be maybe a wet one, but uh, obviously it'll be an exciting. Time for Georgia fans, and I'm sure the players as well. This will be the first game back in Sanford since that national championship. Uh, but a very exciting opportunity for Georgia, coming off, obviously, that big win to start the year. Uh, the fact that they are going to be playing uh, again back in Sanford Stadium, again, have a chance to play. And, and starting the home stretch with Sanford, uh, a team that uh, Georgia's played in the past, 2017, Georgia won 42-14. Uh, you know, Kip, what do you make of this matchup? Obviously, this is a situation where it's an FBS team. Obviously, Georgia now number two in the country. Uh, playing an FCS team, which I got to say is a little bit better than I expected. They're coming off a win over number eight, Kennesaw State, last week. Kind of surprised me. Kennesaw State has been uh, one of the more consistent FCS teams these last few years. Really good showing for Sanford, getting that 10-point win to start off the 2022 season. Yeah, and then you also just have to think about the fact that Sanford was was four and seven last year, and so you know, kind of an, an impressive win for them. Uh, this Kennesaw State team again. I mean, they're a perennial uh, FCS playoff team, and I think they they went eleven and two last year. Brian Bohannon has got a really really good program there at 
you know, a college that kind of snuck up on people the last couple of years. I mean, it's the, the largest uh, enrollment in Georgia, I believe, at this point. I think it's over 41,000 students there. So, I mean, it's obviously uh, building a, into a, a pretty strong program and, and one that has a bright future. But, yeah, for Sanford, it was a, a nice uh, come-from-behind win. And I think, you know, you look at this team, and uh, it's a veteran team. And I think their offense is probably going to be pretty good at the FCS level this year. And special teams looks pretty strong as well. That's going to be something I'm kind of watching this game as well. And yeah, I think they're going to provide some, some interesting uh, matchups for Georgia. So I'm interested to see the actual game. I don't think this is just one where, you, you know, you, you, you could skip watching. I think if you're a Georgia fan, you can actually learn a couple things about this Georgia team this weekend and not just, who all the backups are. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, again, you got to keep in mind uh, what this game is. Obviously, Georgia is a big favorite. I think, Kip, we were talking before we started recording, 52-point favorite is uh, the last number we had seen. But, you know, looking at Samford, a team with some talent. I mean, that first game against Kennesaw State, Michael Harris, their quarterback, is a JUCO guy. Uh, came in there, threw for 289 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, you know, with the way Chris Hatcher has coached, going back to Valdosta State, and I'm sure people listening uh, remember that there is a connection with Kirby and Will Muschamp. Those guys coach with Hatcher there at Valdosta State. But from Valdosta State to Georgia Southern, uh, some of the other places that Hatcher has coached, he's implemented air raid principles, things of that nature. He coached with those guys, Mike Leach. Al Mumming, some of those other guys there at Valdosta. Uh, and, and those offenses are, you know, really uh, potent and, I mean, can cause trouble. And, and the issue, I think, the last few years, you mentioned they went four and seven. Uh, they kind of struggled defensively. You know, that was a team when I lived in Alabama, kind of followed them being there in Birmingham and just seemed like they could put up points, but they couldn't really stop people. Um, I'm very intrigued this year. They've done a good job just from what I can tell on the outside looking in of using the transfer portal. They got Trey Elston, a cornerback from Auburn. They got Emmanuel Flowers, who is a safety from Michigan State. They played in that first game against Kennesaw State. Their numbers weren't crazy. I think they each had one or two tackles, nothing uh, spectacular. And, uh, you know, I think this is a team that has talent. And to your point, Kip, you know, this will be an opportunity for Georgia to, to test some of these young guys, to get some of these guys out there. Um, are there particular people – uh, you really want to see? Are, are there guys on the Georgia side that you think we can learn a lot about um, from what they're able to do on Saturday? Yeah, you just kind of look at this offense. I mean, you mentioned some air raid principles, but I think the one aspect on Georgia's defense I want to see is not just the rotation along the defensive line, the depth, the conditioning. I think they're going to have to defend a lot of screen passes in this game. And, you know, when you're defending that, that type of play, you, you have to really be able to read and react pretty quickly for the defensive line. You got to realize if you're not being blocked, uh, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, the, the Sanford's not going to just give Georgia's defensive lineman a, a free run into the backfield for, for no reason at all. So at that point, you got to start running for the ball carrier. So I, I think it, I, I think watching their ability to, to track down the running back and also again, conditioning if they're the run a lot more in this game if they're having to you know to to, to really cross a, a lot more field than what they're used to then 
how's that rotation going to do? How are they going to handle that? And just looking forward to the South Carolina, a noon kickoff that could be, you know, heat could really be a factor in that game. I think it's a conditioning aspect. You want to see really what you have in this defensive line and the rotation. How many snaps can these guys play? Uh, you know, how well can they track the football and, and how well can, can they react to something like that? Because it's one thing when you're just taking on blockers and allowing those running backs to run free and find the ball carry. It's another thing if you have to find the ball and find the running back and, and try to track him down as well. So I think that's going to be a unique aspect in this game. And again, like I said, special teams. I think, you know, Sanford's one of those teams that, again, that that's going to be a strength for them this year. And you really didn't get to see a lot from Georgia. I mean, obviously, the, you know, you didn't see the punter until the fourth quarter. You might not again, but at the same time, you, you really don't know exactly what you have uh, out of that special teams unit. Can they cover? How well do they do on, you know, on kickoffs in this game? What What is, uh, you know, the punt coverage like? Things like that. You might get to see a little bit more of that in this game. And, and you're going to be able to to learn a little bit about that aspect of the team. Obviously, on offense, everyone's going to be, they want to see, you know, what do these backup quarterbacks bring to the table? And and maybe, you know, what does Georgia have in freshman running back Branson Robinson? I'm interested in seeing that as well. I mean, who, which quarterback kind of shows he might be more prepared for that 2023 quarterback battle? Because obviously, that is, it's been a big storyline for a while since Stetson Bennett became the starter. Who's going to replace him? It's, it's one of fans favorite aspects that backup quarterback is always the most popular player on the team so seeing how those guys do in this game and and how they're able to run the offense and really whether Todd Monken just continues to run that offense I mean are they going to be handing the ball off for three plus quarters or are they going to continue to let it loose like they get against Oregon it was that an aberration or is this going to be an aired out team the whole season so those are things I'm looking forward to watching this weekend and I think again like I said there's still a lot to learn for for Georgia fans about this Georgia football team this weekend. Go to some of the comments, some of the questions we've gotten. Got to shout out Jordan Harris. I think Jordan never misses one of these episodes. Malachi, another interception in this game. Seems pretty likely. You know, I think we'll probably see him out there a decent bit. I uh, thought this was a good one from Curtis Maximus, 51. Over 300 yards for Stetson Bennett. I'm going to go under just from the fact that I don't think they're going to need to have him out there that long you know we'll probably see him for two quarters or so and the thing that really interests me kip i want to see how many quarterbacks we see i feel like it's probably a good bet that we'll see carson beck and probably brock vandergriff as well but will we see gunner stockton out there you know he's true freshman obviously um that that would be his first appearance as a bulldog um and and that might be asking a lot to put him out there in only his second game but I think we should get a chance to see several of these quarterbacks and see what they bring to the table. And again, going back to the point you made, everybody wants to know about who's next. And uh, this might give us a good glimpse at multiple guys, really outside of just Carson Beck, who we saw last week. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, I guess it's one of the rare moments where you, you want to see those backup tight ends as well. I mean, you didn't really get to see that three tight end formation last week. Everyone was all ready to, to see the, you know, all of these monster tight ends that Todd Hartley has out there. You only got to see them sparingly and they were, you know, rather sparingly used as far as the passing game. So uh, how, how they're utilized this weekend, obviously you get to see a little bit more uh, Eric Gilbert. Uh, I think uh, the fact that Oscar Delp got on the field before him, 
A lot of people were talking about that. I think it's more of a, you know, that these guys are kind of the co-backups. And, you know, they, Darnell Washington dealt with that last year. You know, trying to get on the field when you had a guy like John Fitzpatrick, who was just an outstanding blocker and, and you know, brought a lot overall to that tight end room. It And then the emergence of Brock Bowers. And then Darnell Washington was the one where they, you know, all your own fans are like, why are they underutilizing Darnell Washington? You know, when is he not going to get on the field? Now he's on the field and it's, well, you know, already uh, what's going on with Gilbert? Why didn't he get on the field, uh, you know, that much? It's It's a great problem to have. And I think that's something that the fans also want to see. They want to see the the next group of tight ends. And so, you know, seeing more rotation, seeing more offensive line rotation as well. You, you got to see, you know, Amarius Mims in there. And you also got, you know, Warren McClendon moving from right to left tackle. I think that's something they're going to continue to do because they want to be prepared in case someone gets hurt. Uh, you want to get these guys some snaps. I think there's still kind of an ongoing battle left guard from what it looked like. I don't think, you know, either Xavier Truss has, has really locked, you know, locked down that left guard position. And, and I think so that's that's something you, you want to watch as well. Like, what is the snap count like in that first half uh, on these offensive line positions? Uh, and so will Devin Willett continue to push him in that position? I think, you know, he looked pretty impressive when he got in there as well. So, yeah, you, you want to see who the next guys are. And for Georgia, and there's a lot of value in this game because you, you want to get a lot of these backups, uh, some snaps. And, you know, we didn't expect them to be able to do that against Oregon as much as they did. This was kind of that weekend where they, they kind of wanted to do that. But you want to continue to do that because, of, you know, talk about all the guys that left the NFL draft, how young this team is. This is really valuable for Georgia last week and this week, getting these guys in because later on in the year, I mean, these guys have all this experience. They could be playing at a much higher level than we even saw in week one. Another question before we take a quick break. Is Nyland out for this game? Referring to defensive back Nyland Green. Not sure yet. He's been dealing with a hamstring. Kirby told us, uh, I guess that was on Tuesday night. Uh, he kind of sustained the injury or, or noticed that it was bothering him during that game against Oregon. It's going to be probably a situation where they just see how he feels uh, at game time and going through pregame. You know, you don't want to to risk uh, aggravating an injury, especially like a hamstring. You know, we see those kind of injuries linger. Um, so it seems like it's too soon to tell. Um, but he'll be somebody that we keep an eye out for and, and just see if he is able to go on Saturday. Um, before we go to a break, I just dropped uh, in the, the comments uh, a link to our Dog C47 YouTube channel. Please, if you have not already, uh, go on there and subscribe. We got all our podcast episodes, all kinds of good stuff uh, at that spot. You can go check it out and uh, have a chance to uh, you know, see all our videos, see all the good content we're dropping. As Again, this is still the, the early stretch of the 2022 season, but plenty of stuff to talk about and uh, plenty of good content over there. So uh, before we... Uh, go uh, any further. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll come back, talk a little bit about just FCS, FBS matchups, and uh, give our predictions on what we think we're going to see Saturday. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what is always one of the topics of discussion when you get into a situation like this with a Georgia Again, moved up to number two in the country. Uh, the fact that they uh, are coming in and playing a Sanford team who, again, they look improved from last year, but this is an FCS program, uh, you know, a team that does not uh, on paper look like will be able to hang with a team as talented as Georgia. Uh, Kip, I'll start with you, and then I'll kind of bounce off of your thoughts. What do you make of FCS, FBS uh, matchups, playing these big schools, Obviously, one of the conversations is always about the money that it provides FCS programs. Uh, but in this day and age, 2022, a play, you know, the playoff era, uh, what do you make of these games? And uh, if you, know, you think we should continue to see them going forward? Well, I think there's still value in this. I don't know if we're going to continue to see it going forward, but there's value beyond just for the FCS program. And, you know, for, for the Power Five or the FBS team, it guarantees you a home game. You're you're not going to be scheduling a home and home with an FCS opponent. You're so you're not going to be giving up a home game in any years. And also, just to continue that, this gives fans an opportunity to go to a game that may not have a chance to go see Georgia play or the Power Five teams play. You know that the when when Alabama plays Auburn, that's a tough ticket. You know, but again, last week. Maybe some fans got to see that. And just like for the, for Georgia this week, and when you're playing the smaller opponents, you have a chance for, for other fans to be able to get in and, and afford the game, a much lower cost. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you look at the fan experience and, you, and with, you know, how great the 4K and even 8K TVs look these days, uh, you really have to battle the fact that it's pretty appealing for a fan just to stay at home, 
and, and watch the game on their their couch. And so if you're going to give them a, a, an opportunity to make a somewhat affordable trip to Athens to see their favorite football team play, and then even, I mean, for the, for the Sanford fans, uh, I'm sure that, you know, they're busting up and they're planning to come up there because there are tickets available at a much larger venue. Uh, there's an opportunity there just for the fans to be able to see a football game for the the actual programs like i said earlier in, in the podcast uh there it's a chance to rest their key players i mean you hope there's a chance to rest their key players if you come out there and play uh the way that you're you're supposed to play and you're able to give playing time to younger and less experienced players and with you know the transfer portal existing uh, you want to get these guys some snaps or they're going to be already looking to see where their next location is. So I think there's definitely value in that. You want to have that opportunity to kind of uh, see what you have on the depth chart, get guys playing time. So again, there will always be value in this game. Uh, it's really just up to the people, the powers that be to make sure that, you know, uh, this is still something that they want overall at the power five level. No doubt. I mean, you hit on a lot of the points that I think, you know, we talk about it. And I'm of the same belief. I want to see these games continue. Not only, you know, it helps, you know, those athletic programs at the FCS level, you know, it helps them balance their budget, doing things like that. But, you know, something that I hadn't really thought about a ton, but has always um, made sense in, in this era with the transfer portal. For a lot of these guys at FCS programs, you know, some of those guys, were kind of diamonds in the rough as far as when they were recruits. And these FCS programs kind of stepped in and, and picked them up and gave them an opportunity. And for those guys who might decide after a season to, to go into the portal, you know, it's an opportunity for those guys to get tape against a Power 5 opponent. You know, get tape if you're an offensive lineman trying to stop a guy, uh, you know, like, you know, some of Georgia's defensive linemen, Jalen Carter, people like that. I think it's valuable from that standpoint that it allows guys uh, a chance to show what they're capable of. And, you know, as much as it, it hurts to see, you know, with the portal players leaving things like that, you know, I'm all for giving guys opportunity. And I think that is a window that maybe can kind of get overlooked when it comes to FCS games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, again, this is the, you know, maybe the best film that Sanford's going to have available when it comes to pro scouts. And also, yeah, like you said, if a guy makes a big play uh, against a Georgia player, uh, it's going to, you know, open up a lot of eyes. A lot of people are going to look that guy up and also like, who is this guy? And, and I mean, if someone forces a turnover or has a sack or, I mean, scores a touchdown, you never know. There could be NIL uh, opportunities for that player as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of to gain for the FCS program. Like I said, there's enough to gain for the, for the FBS program that these games should continue to exist. I, I don't think, I mean, again, you know, we're, are we going to a 12-game all-conference you know, all schedule anytime soon? I don't think so. And, and even if, you know, the SEC goes to a nine conference game schedule, you still have those games open up. Uh, you know, Kirby's going to want his kickoff game uh, probably. But at the same time, uh, you're still going to have an opportunity there to play a lower opponent, to have that home game. I mean, the last thing, if Kirby's going to – if Georgia, Florida stays in Jacksonville and Georgia's still playing in kickoff games, you think Kirby wants a home-and-home? 
with a power five opponent as well? I doubt it. I mean, maybe maybe it's a UAB he plays, but still, maybe it's a team like Stanford. Uh, maybe Kennesaw State gets in there down the road. Uh, there, are, there are still opportunities for Georgia to play FCS programs. And again, you want that. You don't want it to be a murderer's row from start to finish, just having to play you know, your starters for three-plus quarters every single game of the year. Uh, especially if if you want to make it to Atlanta and get into the playoff. The way this system is set up right now, it it is a gauntlet already. You don't want to make it even more difficult. Uh, Even if you look at Georgia's schedule this year, you look at the home schedule, you kind of shrug your shoulders. Uh, You need a little bit of balance there. And and so I I think, again, these these teams are going to continue to be on Georgia's schedule. But at the same time, everyone was talking about Georgia and Oregon last week. So you, you can't you can't praise them then and then knock them now for just having an opponent like Sanford in week two. Uh, so I, I think it, it's it's great for Sanford. It's good for Georgia and it's good for fans overall, even if the score might not matter in the third quarter. I will say too another underrated part of these kind of games. I know a lot of young parents, and this is kind of a, a training ground to get the kids out there. They may not make it a whole game. You get them, you know, maybe to halftime, and they can kind of get their get their feet wet as far as being Bulldogs fans. And definitely, I mean, again, uh, I don't know what the weather's going to be like on Saturday, but yeah, if it's in the nineties, you might not want to be out there uh, with the family. And then, you know, it's one of those days that if uh, you're pretty hydrated by the time four o'clock comes around, you know, you, you might want to, uh, you know, just go ahead and, and head out and, and head on home at you know, six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock. I don't know, but you want to have that option available to you at least one or two games a year. Cause like, it's even for the fans, it's, it's a long season. So you, you really got to uh, pace yourself a little bit. So this is one of those games where it gives everyone an opportunity to kind of pace themselves. It's a marathon, not a sprint for sure. For sure. Um, any matchups that really catch your eye or things you want to see the I'll start and say, the, the guys that I'm really interested in are Georgia's cornerbacks, you know, and particularly the younger guys. If we'll see like Julian Humphrey, Jaheim Singletary, Dalen Everett, what kind of reps they get. You know, I think there's a lot of talent when it comes to these DBs that Georgia signed. And obviously we saw that in the first week uh, with Malachi Starks back there at safety. Uh, is there anything like that that catches your eye or, or matchups particularly that you think, you know, we, we might be, worth uh, kind of paying attention to even if it's in the second half and even if we have a pretty good feel for what uh, the rest of this game's going to look like yeah i mean it, it's tough to know how long the starters are going to play so i can't really sit here and, and and talk about you know wanting to see this from you know jamon dumas johnson or you know how much is small munden going to play uh but but at the same time overall just as a defense i, I kind of want to see uh you know, are they going to put a little bit of pressure uh, on the, on the same for quarterback? Cause that was an aspect, you know, again, I talked about it being part of the game plan, but at this, you know, you don't want to see a team go the whole year without kind of having some havoc plays. Uh, this was an in instance where uh, you kind of knew that his decision-making as far as Bo Nix is concerned was, was questionable. And so you also kind of knew that, you know, you could kind of uh, sit back and let him make those uh, bad decisions. Uh, will this defense be able to consistently put pressure on opposing quarterbacks and just in the backfield in general? Where Where is 
you know, that habit going to come from, Oh, you know, will it be a Nolan Smith? Will Robert bill be able to, to, you know, to get back there and continue kind of the plays he was able to make late last year, or are they going to have to dial it up a little differently and, and have some exotic looks have, you know, maybe some, some blitzes from, from the star position, whether you, you put another outside linebacker in there at star, uh, how do you do that? And, and also, uh, you know, Again, just the backups at safety as well. Uh, I think you got to see a lot of Malachi Starks. Um, you know, it, where is Tyke Smith and his recovery? I think he's still behind a couple guys at safety. Uh, can he get, you know, is he up to full speed? I know he's been practicing, but, you know, he was a really impressive player at West Virginia. Is this an instance where maybe uh, Georgia's DBs are just really talented? Or does he still have some, you know, some development to go there? I want to see kind of what he brings to the table overall for this season. Or if, you know, there's going to be some other guys kind of step up there as well. So, yeah, I think they're, you know, overall from the defense, it's an interesting thing. Because in game one, I kind of, it kind of looked like the opposite of last season in that Georgia's defense uh, got in some really, really, um, uh, positive advantageous scenarios just like last year where the defense kind of you know they would they would have a three and out and the offense would have a short field it kind of felt like the way for the defense uh, this time it was the beneficiary of just really good field position the offense scored the first seven possessions Oregon had to play from behind they went uh, one dimensional uh, but there weren't any three and outs until the fourth quarter and so that's just what I want to see Georgia able to go ahead and get some three and outs early in this game and show that this defense is still really good and potentially great once again. Let's switch gears and talk about our game predictions, what we're expecting, what we think to see. I'll start it off, Kip, and say I'm going to say Georgia 55 to nothing. I think Georgia just barely gets over that spread we talked about earlier in the episode. I think we're going to see some big outings from people like Carson Beck, You know, maybe see – as somebody like a Dominic Blaylock makes some plays and show that again, you know, he is someone that is going to be a threat in this offense, even if he isn't with necessarily that first kind of tier of Georgia's receivers this year. I think those guys have a chance to put together a, a really good game. I think the defense will again do a very good job. Again, the Sanford offense, you uh, you can't get caught sleeping because they can move the ball, and and obviously they showed that last week. But I'm gonna say 55 to nothing. Uh, Georgia gets this thing done, and uh, and hey, maybe I got most of my stories written by the time the uh, the clock goes all zeros. You know, Jordan, I mentioned it to you before the show, but uh, it wasn't the line in this game that that really caught my eye. It was that over under. The fact that this game opened with Georgia as a fifty two point favorite, but the the over under uh, set by the casino I saw was was sixty seven and a half. And, you know, you do that math and you're thinking, wait a second, is, is Vegas saying that, you know, Sanford's going to score uh, two touchdowns, at least in this game? And then, it, you know, it moves, but it moves to 64. So at this point, Vegas is, is trying to tell or trying to convince betters that, uh, you know, it thinks Sanford's going to score uh, double-digit points in this game. And, I mean, it's possible. Again, <laughs> we, we saw what this team is able to do, uh, you know, last year against florida you know you, you see what you know they're capable of but at the same time uh this is this is not last year's florida team this is a really really good georgia team we think so for me i i think it all comes down to 
what is the game plan here? You know, it's not just uh, whether how long Georgia keeps the starters in, even the backups. It's what is the offensive game plan in this game? Are you using the whole playbook? Are you, I mean, are you using, you know, uh, the ability to the throw and first down? Or are you just trying to, you know, the grind that clock out and, and get to Columbia? You know, I'm interested to see that. I think that this could be a game where maybe Georgia continues to throw the ball a little bit and kind of see what they have at quarterback, regardless of what quarterback's in there. And, and so I, I think this is, I mean, these numbers are really tough for Georgia to hit because the numbers just seem so high. But, you know, I, I think in this game, uh, Georgia's got a chance to to put a lot of points on the board early and often. I, I got them uh, winning this game 58-6. to six. I think that Sanford will get a couple field goals in. They'll have a couple plays that kind of get them in position. Probably maybe some some a couple plays for a loss that keep them out of the end zone, but still able to you know kick a couple field goals in. But I really think Georgia's offense is going to thrive, and I, I think they're going to continue to showcase they're a highly explosive offense and one of the best offenses in the country this year. Well, we're going to wrap it up right there. Appreciate Kip hopping on. Appreciate everybody who was watching live on Facebook or on YouTube or listening to this later. We appreciate y'all's support. Uh, make sure if you haven't already, go subscribe to the YouTube page for Dogs247. Uh, plenty of content to come. I know I'm going to get off of this uh, Zoom and uh, get ready uh, for a chance to write some more stories, get ready for the Sanford game. And then we'll have all kinds of stuff to talk about on Saturday with Georgia having another opportunity to play the second game of the season and uh, obviously people being excited to be back in Sanford Stadium so we'll wrap it up right there appreciate everybody listening everybody supporting us uh, for Kip Adams I am Jordan Hill until next time take care go Braves docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.